Hello and welcome to the Mojo Podcast, part of Mike's Open Journal. Here we're going to be talking about mental health and all things related. That includes illness, wellness, stigma and support, and importantly some of your very own personal stories. I want to thank you for being part of Mike's Open Journal as guests, as visitors, as speakers, as listeners. Welcome to the world of mental health. And importantly, we're all in this together. So remember, you're not alone out there. These are real people. They do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves. I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. She's not a great match for me, and that's okay. A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so they can't appreciate, yeah. Dad came upstairs, and then I heard them say, like, it's happened. And I was like, what's happened? It's difficult dealing with our minds. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. I feel like a lot of the friends that I did have have sort of stopped speaking to me because of it. And the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. Not only did this help me to write it, mm. it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. And then she was like, okay, tell me a bit about what's going on. So I told her everything and her face dropped. You're not depressed, it's, it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most. I mean, this, this, this shit is real and it's hard, it's exhausting. So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, and then they want to talk about it. Hello and welcome to the Mojo Podcast, part of Mike's Open Journal. Welcome to episode 119. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you've had a good week. I hope you've clicked subscribe so you can automatically get all of the episodes as and when they come out downloaded to your device. Um, It's a great way to listen to the show. Make sure that you're up to date with all of the new guests that come on. And today I am joined by another new guest. Um, Sean is going to be talking to us today. We're going to be talking about um, wellness and kind of linked into the environment. Uh, a little bit of kind of conversations around body image, sustainability, homelessness, kind of a range of different stuff. It was really interesting um, to talk about the environment and how that links into our wellness. And I very much applied that to kind of my working environment. But I think you can apply it to anything, You just your general living environment, our society, the culture that we live in at the moment. Um, Sean is also known as the Gutsy Entrepreneur, so if you're looking for her online, you can usually type that in and find her details. You can also look at the description uh, for the podcast or uh, at the end of the episode, Sean will give you her details as well. I want to say a big thank you to Sean for coming on to the podcast, for sharing parts of her personal story around homelessness um, and body image as well it was awesome to to hear that and be able to apply that to the conversation but I um I also think it was really interesting for me in terms of both Sean in this episode and Noel in the last episode so in episode uh, 170 118 um 
they both have really really good um like knowledge of the body and of science stuff or as i call it um in terms of kind of the chemicals and the things that are happening that stuff i've got no idea on so for me it was really interesting to kind of have that kind of professional and knowledgeable insight um as part of our conversation which was really good so i hope you enjoy that i hope you're able to take away from that as always if you want to find out more information about the podcast or what's going on or potentially come on as a guest yourself you can find out lots of information if not everything hopefully uh, at mikesopenjournal.com but for now i'm going to put you straight into our conversation um so i hope you enjoy it um so how has your day gone today um it's kind of awesome i was editing a document because i'm planning and working towards building a geodesic dome sustainability center oh wow with my partner the document was 70 pages long oh i'm a little bit less well now so yeah (laughs) um and i'd done all that and then i just run out the door and went and bought some chilies and some coriander and i thought i'm gonna make myself a big aubergine curry with um some homemade flatbread and then i ate that and Mm -hmm. i just felt amazing and then I come and see you. Oh, I can't. Oh, it's the food again. I'm like, oh man. And then you mentioned the bread as well, and I'm like, oh, good. I, I mean, it's not, it's not that late. I could, I could run around to the shop and get some like fresh bread. Oh, okay. Don't think about the food. Don't think about the food. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know if you're happy. I know you've given us a bit of an intro with, with some of the stuff you've done today, but a little bit of an introduction <laughs> to yourself and kind of what you're doing at the moment. Well, my name's Sean Young, and I'm known as a gutsy entrepreneur. Um, basically, I'm a health coach for entrepreneurs who are doing sustainable or environmental projects. Um, so I make sure that they stay healthy while they run their business and they, they build their legacy so they don't, like, basically burn out. Um, yeah, I'm doing many things. I've just in, uh, invented or extrapolated the Shaw model, the sustainable health and well-being model, from my partners, um, Scott, a model as well, to help businesses become zero negative impact on the environment. Ooh. So basically, um, I'm doing that just now. And yeah, you can catch me all over social media. It's Sean Young. Um, yeah, that's me. How have you kind of got into that, um, like the sustainability and the environmental stuff? Because it is something I've seen a f- kind of a few more people be, um, I guess, more vocal about their involvement over the last year or so. So kind of how did that start off for you? Well, I've always wanted to save save the world, hmm. right? And I may have started in a slightly unorthodox way. And my mum used to say to me, you need to save yourself before you save the planet. <laughs> so my life took many turns and I've ended up now after, well, like I mentioned about the PTSD, mm. that kind of knocked me out for about two years and it gave me, what, 16 months, it gave me time to sit and think, you know, where do I want to go now? And I've always wanted to save the world and I'm a health coach and and that's when I decided, okay, Um, I mean, I dreamt this sustainability center in 1991. I drew a picture of it. Mm. And then uh, two years ago, I met my partner who in 2012 had written a business plan for a sustainability center. So it just now seemed, well, PTSD put me on my bum for that long. And 
it also gave me a chance to rest. I haven't been homeless for seven years and a single mother and hustling. Raised my first business was a pole dance fitness studio. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I run that for seven years. I won two awards and um, published a book about my street days. Mm. And then, you know, it wasn't really on point. Like I've always wanted to save the planet. So it was like I had to do them, and like we spoke before you started recording. I think about what you learned from failure. Yeah. Well, you can consider the business I had as a pole fitness studio a failure in the sense I had to shut it down. Didn't really manage to keep any money out of it because I'd never run a business before, and and so I learned from that. And but that wasn't my path. Like I'm meant to be helping people who are saving the planet, and I'm meant to be building this geodesic dome sustainability center. So, mm. you know, it's like that mo- that moment in time where PTSD whacked me on my back. I was lucky enough to have the support of a loving partner to allow me to be like mellow jello and just sit with it and then it made me realize as well that I'm I'm here for a reason like I nearly died quite a few times on the streets mm. and if I didn't die and this vision was given to me then why waste any more time messing around trying to do other things thinking that I'm not ready to make this happen I'm not ready for that dream and now I've realized that life's too short man I just have to go get that dream mm. That's, it's really interesting to hear you talk about, um, essentially, in my mind, like the environment, the whole world, um, supporting everyone's living environment, when you kind of, I guess, started off with with nothing and with not having your own living environment. Being on the street is such a, a world away from um, creating these environmentally friendly spaces and, and thinking about the planet and there must be so many different points in your journey that kind of, I guess, triggered change. Um, looking back, was like there one particular moment that really kind of acted as a positive influence on you um, at an yeah. early stage? A lot of people ask that question. Um, there was two particular points that I can say ignited my heart. Hmm. Um, one, I was I was basically lying on a fold-out bed in a punk's house. There was like five punks, and they were like, yeah, listening to mad music and trusting in the crust, and it was all crazy. And I was just lying on this bed waiting to die. I was being sick blood every time, like 10 times a day, just so much pain. And I was just like, God, have you finished with me now? Come on, just take me. Hmm. And each morning I was hoping that I didn't wake up. But then this guy just came in and he said, I know you. And I was just like, yeah, whatever, you know. Mm. And he says, you know, you need to come and stay with me. You need help. You know, nobody had ever said to me that it was wrong. I was bleeding out my stomach every day. Mm. You know, nobody, they, they just left me sort of rotting in a corner. And for this person to come in and say, no, I'm going to hold your hand and lift you up a bit. And um, he took me to his house and I, he asked his flatmates and that and I slept in the kitchen corner and we draped it off and we called it Le Boudoir. <laughs> so I had a Le Boudoir in the kitchen corner. I slept in between a fridge and a wall that had the bath next to it. And I just watched these people have a normal life, mm. you know. And um, then after that, I managed through different events and that finally got a flat. And when I got a flat, my body collapsed. Um, 
and I was still bleeding from the stomach. And I, I think it was the flatmate. He was the one who said, you know, that's wrong. You need to call a doctor mm. and gave me a cup of chamomile tea mm. and put a blanket around me. And I always say to people like, that is a very small thing. People think that they can't do anything, but mm. that cup of chamomile tea, because in my heart, it was like the flame of life or soul or whatever was just like pretty much out. Yeah. And that cup of tea was just a little like that started it. Mm. And I and I was like, okay. And that's when I started to think, like, I, I didn't die, so maybe I need to learn how to live. Mm. It's really interesting hearing, like you say, it, it is those small things that can make a real difference. And I think a lot of the time people maybe don't get involved or kind of step in because they feel like, oh, that person looks like or seems like they might need some sort of professional support or help or I'm not qualified to do that and I hear that so often around I didn't kind of engage in a conversation about mental health because I was worried about oh, I don't really know what to say mm-hmm. and actually you're so right it, it, it's just giving time giving a small act of kindness you don't need loads of knowledge you don't need loads of information just being there for that person allowing them a bit of time showing them the kindness of a cup of tea or coffee or whatever mm-hmm actually can make such a huge difference and you can be the kind of the like you say the turning point that actually makes that person realize that they are kind of worthy of care they are worthy of love and um, they are human yeah and there's people that do care um, and kind of being the starting point for them to go and access some of that greater support as well yeah because I mean one thing that's in my TED talk is basically about, you know, feeling like lower than a slug. Like mm. people treat you like poverty is a crime. They treat you like, you know, you're not worth looking. I used to feel like a, a, an Eber on the street, like not even human. Mm. And just giving someone that little cup of tea or that attention shows that actually you recognize that they are human, you know. Yeah. And they're worthy, like you said, of, yeah. of love and support. It's interesting, yeah, hearing that the start of that journey. And I imagine um, there's such a huge change, I guess, in the, the people that you've surrounded yourself with and found yourself around. But to hear kind of the, the earlier part of that story where you were mentioning actually having that, that um, the project around the environment and then meeting your partner that had also written a plan as well. I mean, how, how did you come to meet? Because it sounds like you had very similar things in mind that you wanted to do in the future and they've kind of obviously correlated but mm-hmm. is that why you met or did you meet through some other way oh the story of how we met <laughs> oh, is crazy um I was basically walking there's I lived in Aberdeen at the time mm. and there was a market on the street in Aberdeen and I was looking at artisan bread and eggs you know, organic eggs and all that sort of stuff and I actually dropped my wallet and he picked it up and he, he asked me um, if I'd like to go for a coffee. And I said, no, I'd like to go for vegan cheesecake because I love it. And there was a vegan cafe right opposite the market. Oh. And I was dying for a bit of that vegan cheesecake. <laughs> so that's what we've done. And two years later, I'm, I'm editing funding applications. And, he you know, we're both now doing, like, keynote speaker engagements. And, wow. you know, everything is happening we just we work well together and mm. 
we were working towards this common dream. Yes. It's fantastic. Like that kind of shared, yeah, the shared hope for, for I guess it's not all, it's also not just a, a dream in a sense of it's something unachievable, actually, it's something very practical and you're, you're doing mm-hmm. things around see the projects and the talks and actually trying to make that happen and share that message as well. Well, he's a sustainable strategist. Okay. And he's been in that arena a long time. He has a massive body of work. Mm. And I'm an award-winning health coach. So the the centre is all about um, educating people and disseminating knowledge. And my part is the human part. Mm. I help the human love their self enough. Because when you love and care about yourself, you automatically care about your environment. Mm. Because the environment is a reflection of the inside. So if you're all toxic and, excuse me, but shitty on the inside, that's what you see outside. If you're struggling with no energy, that's what you see outside. And then he has got the strategic mind to help with business strategy to make businesses be better at being more environmentally aware. So that's why we're doing it together. We both have the skill sets to make it happen. It is interesting. I've... I've had a couple of conversations recently about the idea of, and I feel like this is, in my head, it's like an early 2000s thing that happened and then dropped away of, um, like, plants and trees and stuff in office and workspaces. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember it being like a bit of a faddy thing, like I say, sort of 10 or 15 years ago. Um, and it seems to have, I don't know if it's coming around or I just happen to have had these conversations recently, of people starting to talk about, um like the energy or the air or um, well buildings they yeah. call it and it's really interesting to kind of see that come back and like oh is it that the first time round it sort of needs to happen and fail and then people to understand why maybe that didn't work because maybe there wasn't the buy in or people didn't understand why that was happening um and more and more now it's it's not necessarily that you're getting kind of managers or directors saying, oh, we want to have more green space. Actually, it's it's people that are working their day-to-day sort of front line saying, actually, we really like the idea of there being a bit more green around, of having some small trees in the open plan offices or having small plants in, in places. And um, I don't know if that's ever come across. I know that's quite small well, I'll be scale. Honest with but, you. Yeah. It's all about the money, mate. Yeah. Sorry. Like basically the the cost of presenteeism yep. to UK businesses is seventy seven billion a year. Wow. There's there's sick people coming to work because they're too scared to stay off and this is where we talk about mental health. Mm-hmm. And that's why I was triggered PTSD was triggered in me by going to a mainstream job. Okay. I've never really had a mainstream job before. And so when my business shut down, I was a single mother, I was like, Oh, I thought maybe it was my time to have a, a mainstream job, like because mm. I'd raised my kids, I've been on the streets, so maybe I've got enough qualifications now to just go into mainstream life. And what I saw was crazy, like work people working every day with bad air conditioning, so they're not actually breathing air all day. They have not enough oxygen in their body, no daylight, so there's no vitamin D. They're on painkillers because there's no like no support for their bodies for the jobs that they're doing there's loads of people on antidepressants and that's like a norm for Mm, them every mm. day at work you know and businesses unfortunately a lot of them don't seem to care about that but 
now the bottom line is showing what happens when you have people who are sick and exhausted at work can't work because we're human. You know, we need air, we need water, we need, you know, to see daylight. You know, these basic things and the stress that people are under, that's why mental health is getting so bad. You know, the amount of people that are committing suicide on the rails you know, you only need to be around London for a while and you figure out how many trains are cancelled or delayed because somebody killed themselves. Mm. You know, that's how real it is. And it's been that way for a long time. And it's only now that businesses are starting to realize that it's costing them. Now they're interested. Yeah. And that might be a cynical view, but it seems to be. But it's probably reality. fairly realistic and fairly accurate. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm great because I'm right there willing to tell them and the model that I've created, um, my partner, like I said, created his model and that has uh, six case studies and six years of research, PhD research behind it and I have extrapolated my own health model Mm. using um, a process I use to recover from the streets Mm. and um, now, thank God for me as well because businesses are now waking up. And they're realizing if their staff are sick, that is very bad for the bottom line mm. because people can't work. Mm. And they'll come to work because otherwise they'll lose their job. Um, but then they come to work sick, which then causes more illness for them and it gets worse. Mm. So I'm, I'm glad that it's ta- starting to change and people are starting to realize that the buildings are leaching chemicals as well, you know? Yeah, and I think you're... Um, you also start to touch on that idea of uh, what you might have people turning up physically, still being there and working and not working to 100%, but it's also their, um, their buy-in to the organisation as well. Like, am I going to work myself to the bone for someone that doesn't care um, mm-hmm. about my working environment? Equally, if there's another opportunity to go and work somewhere else, am I more likely to move over and then left in the case where you're kind of constantly rehiring people um because your 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 turnover of staff is what they're going to be here for two years we're going Mm -hmm. to use them up um they're going to be stressed to the hill and then they'll leave and we'll get someone else in yeah um and we don't need to to worry about i don't know spending a little bit of money on improving the environment that they're in or giving them maybe I, i don't know half an hour or an hour each week where they can unload somewhere or do something that's kind of a social leisure activity or even long enough just to eat their lunch yeah or or enforcing a lunch hour (laughs) someone I said I was having a conversation with someone today and um I was asking uh delivering some training and part of their introduction we were like if you say your name where you're from what you do to kind of keep yourself well and um one lady sort of said oh and I make sure I take my lunch uh my lunch break and we all totally know what she meant, but I was like, that shouldn't be a sign of like your well-being that you're taking something that you're meant to have anyway. Mm-hmm. And people sort of see that as a now I'm I'm actually meant to be at work the whole time I'm there. I'm meant to be constantly doing this. I'm like, no, the idea is that you take a break. Like, okay, yeah, for the workplace, maybe it's a legal thing, but actually, the idea is so that your brain gets a rest, so that mm-hmm. everything can be processed, so that you can come back refreshed and kind of keep working. If you just plough through the day, I'm sure as a one-off, that's fine. But if you're regularly doing that, that's not good for you. And it's not good for the organisation. 
And it's not good for your mental health. Oh, no. It's just, yeah. You imagine all that. It's like a computer that you don't defrag. Mm, mm, mm. You know, you fill it, you fill it, you fill it, you fill it. Eventually, it just stops working. I heard someone say the other day about this, (laughs) which made me laugh because I never do it, about um, not turning your computers off. And they were like, Mm -hmm. the idea is that you turn the computer off at the end of each day um, and then you sort of restart it the next day. And it's had that rest. It's had that time to do whatever a computer does. I'm not technical enough. Um, But if you always just kind of let it sleep or it goes in standby, when it finally does have a rest, it needs to do so much. There's Mm -hmm. updates it needs to do. And the whole processor has become slower because you've constantly worn it out. And it's just the same as a person. Like They need that shut-off time. They need a place to go and relax. They need that green space. They need time to to sleep. They need to feel that sort of stress relief that people just aren't getting as much of when they're in traditional working environments. Yeah, so it's time to get smart. Mm. For businesses, it's time to get smart because it, it is talking about not only the bottom line, but if businesses have better strategies for um, sustainability that improves their bottom line as well Mm. it doesn't have to be a question of of green or profit yeah you know there's enough technology out there to to have big solutions on the other stuff and part of it is the wellness of the staff and this is like i've i was recently at a low carbon event okay and health and well-being was only a bolt-on for one company Nobody else was really seeing that. Wow. And this this event had people coming in at 8 a.m. Yeah. And all it had was tea, coffee, and biscuits available till half two. You know? Okay, wow. Okay, yeah. I know we're talking food again. Uh-huh. <laughs> you do know as soon as we finish, I'm like, I'm like straight food. downstairs for food. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I was kind of like, and I'm wheat-free and dairy-free, right? Mm-hmm. The streets, like, kind of tore my stomach up, so... And that's a gift I have from the streets. Um, And it's good. It means I can't eat just anything. Mm. But I told them I was wheat-free, dairy-free. So there was all this time before any food because I couldn't eat anything on the table. And then they they had meals. And one was wheat-free but wasn't dairy-free. The other was dairy-free but not wheat-free, right? And when I said to the guy, he just got really antsy with me, like, that one is dairy-free and that one's wheat-free. And I'm like, you really didn't get that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I find it really interesting as well when um, generally I find that people have, um, whether it's through like health reasons or just personal choice, a specific kind of dietary need or requirement or uh, thing that they keep to, generally across the board they know what's in food and what they're eating and People that don't have that have no idea. And I'm one of those people. I like I can go out and eat a meal and someone can ask me what it was. And I'm like, I don't know. It was food. And mm. I'm like, that to me, I'm like, that's really bad because I've, I've literally got no idea what, what I've put in myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that sort of mindset, I think, is something that we maybe don't put in place at an earlier stage in life. And we should know about actually it doesn't matter whether you've got a, a dietary requirement or not you should be actually paying attention to have a good idea of w- what's in your food and it's not even a case of at the moment we need to ask for that information it's often it's uh, is that vegan is that halal is 
that should be kind of more forthcoming to us in terms of information when we're eating food, I think. But um, it's getting used to having those conversations, and actually, no, it matters what what I'm eating, and it's going to impact me. And um, and I want to know rather than the, the way that I eat, which is like that looks nice. I'll eat that. Well, you see, like you're probably like going to get me on another soapbox. I have. But <laughs> it's it's kind of. You know what I teach, the, you know, especially with mental health, concern for mental health, a lot of the, the creams and makeups and body products we use have endocrine disrupting chemicals in them. Mm. And we're putting them on our largest organ, which is our body. Mm. And then we're, we're getting like jittery bugs, you know. Mm. Then we're consuming foods that we don't know what's in them. I mean, I know for sure in Australia one time I had this... Um, bubblegum blueberry juice or something oh, it was okay. yeah and i couldn't breathe after drinking it because the e-numbers in it affected oh, me that way yeah so if you're eating stuff and it's even got a small bit and it affects you just a small bit mm. the more you do that the more you do that on on in your normal life and plus putting creams on that have all these chemicals in yeah. you're okay for a while you it's like i'm fine nothing affects me mm. But then you start to see weight gaining around your stomach, which is your body diluting toxins. You know, you start to see like emotional effects, like your your gut it starts having problems, and you wonder what caused that right then. But it's actually like a toxic load. Mm. You have gone through years of being unaware of that. You know, them spray air fresheners that people put in their house that just pump out a lot of chemicals up your nose. Yeah. All of these things, a lot of them, there's no regulation for that because you're not consuming it. Mm. So, and you're cleaning your house with products with harsh chemicals in them. And then you go outside and there's the environmental toxins that you have no control over. So, can you see where, you know, when you're young, you're like, hey, nothing affects me. I can eat what I want. I'm fine. And then the more you go through life, the more little aches and pains you're getting, like joint aches and, you know, and then you can look at your toxic load in your house and on your body and then in your food and you can think, actually, I have the power to change this. Mm. I mean, I'm not even going to go into depth about the toxins that come with emotions, with the stress stress of emotions, of negative emotions and mental health issues cause a lot of stress which mm. leaches um chemicals into your stomach it's cortisol yeah that goes into your stomach which mm. then shuts down digestion so then any food you're eating you're not actually getting the nutrients of that so then your body is becoming like nutrient deficient even though you're eating loads of stuff you know so there's a whole combating thing that if you start just like taking control of little areas of your life mm. You know, like, for instance, my uh, sprays I clean my kitchen with are basically um, essential oils with a bit of bicarb sober and water, which they used to use in the olden days, and it was absolutely fine, but companies want to sell you some heavy chemical stuff. Yeah. Thinking that you're 99% bacteria-free, and tea tree oil and lemon oil kills bacteria. You know, I've actually used tea tree oil on mold that's grown behind the sink. Oh yeah, and it you know it worked for up to four weeks to stop that regrowth. Wow! Whereas instead, like people are spraying heavy chemicals and inhaling them. Yeah, yeah. I, it is. I remember hearing someone a while ago talking about oh when you when you're cleaning, make sure you don't do that straight after that. And I'm like, well, why? And they're like, oh, because it's got that chemical, and the other one's got the other chemical. And I'm like, 
Oh, well, that doesn't sound great. <laughs> why am I? Why am I using that? Yeah. Um, and I mean, yeah, I'm sure there are situations where you you find yourself, but I just, yeah, like, oh, it's a bit sleepwalking. I think yeah, too many time. of us are sleepwalking, and it's time to wake up to the fact that. Like I said, the tea tree oil, lavender, a bit of bicarb and water mm. cleans. It smells nice and it is not frying your brains with chemicals, mm. you know. It's not leaching into your foods. And and also the companies that are selling you all this stuff, they need to make money. Mm. Very true. Their product is about selling you this um, fear and it all works on fear that you'll get sick. You'll, you'll get ill if you don't use this heavy chemical. Mm. Whereas really, it's time to start like waking up to the chemical overload on our body. And I think a lot of our ailments would start to subside if we try and make our home less chemically loaded. Yeah. And I think kind of linked into that and sort of moving us across a little bit is that idea of actually how our body is affected by different things and how it links into our mental health. And I know, um, I mean, I'm quite interested in that idea of earlier you mentioned about having the the fitness club previously and how that idea of like the the body image and your body kind of fits in with your mental health as well Mm -hmm. um and while there obviously there's there's obviously the the science stuff um that goes into that just very visually as well for us how that can impact on on how we feel about ourselves you have to ask me that in a different way. I don't quite was, get what you mean. It was a long-winded sort of question of a non-question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess just kind of getting your thoughts on how um, how our own image or how our body image impacts on our mental health. Yeah, I mean, what what you perceive, you can achieve, right? Mm. If you perceive you're fat and ugly every day, you're going to start to achieve that. You know, and if you look at your body and slander it, you are just hurting yourself. And when I run my studio, one of the things that just gave me so much joy was when you'd see a woman come in and they would be holding their body like they were ashamed to be in existence. You know, they would, you know, cover things up and hand over their stomach and you know, be so down on their self. And like every woman is a different shape. Like I, I literally, we served over 5,000 women. So I can literally say we are all different shapes. Yeah. So if you're trying to be like someone else, you've got the wrong person because mm. you are you. Yeah. You have to be you. That's the only thing you can do in your body. And so what I would see is they would have no faith that they could do anything. They, they'd have no faith in their body, no connection to their body. And, you know, they'd start to move. They'd start to grow faith. Mm. And we were just, we had such a loving environment. Like, you know, everybody was just, I believe all of you are just amazing. Mm. Like, straight up, that's it. That's the base for me is that people are amazing. And that they they just have to love their self. Mm. And then what you find, if you start to love yourself and just be okay with how you are right now, just be okay with yourself because we're all work in progresses, you know, and all this media stuff that you're trying to be like someone else, like mm. it's it's pretty twisted, perverted stuff that's being pumped out for people to be like. Mm. And you just have to learn to be you. And if you say you feel that you're too overweight, then most likely when you eat, you eat with guilt. 
Mm. That guilt actually causes that stress reaction I said earlier. So then that stress reaction is meaning you're not digesting any nutrients out your food because you're swallowing it with guilt and you're swallowing it with negative feelings and stress. So then when you don't get nutrients from your food and if you're taking in bad food, you're getting chemicals, your body puts on water to dilute the chemicals. So you get weight, you know? Mm. Whereas if you started to just, you know, well, this is what I love about my model as well. It's like a step process. You just got to learn where you are and be okay with that. Like maybe you're not where you want to be, but just be okay with who you are and what you're doing and then figure out what it is you'd want to do and start to move towards that. You just got to develop a plan. You've Mm. got to just keep just being okay with yourself. And then if you eat something that's wrong, just say, okay, I didn't want to do that, but I've done it. So, Mm. ah, moving on. I think it's that side of, um, for me, because I've got to the stage where I want to lose a little bit of weight and I'm thinking about next year, some of the activities that I'm going to do to kind of improve my fitness in that side. Um, And it is very much, I think, for me about going, okay, yeah, generally I need to eat um, a bit more healthily. Um, the bad things that I eat I'm, I'm still going to eat but I want to be able to enjoy eating them when I eat them rather mm-hmm. than like you say feeling like oh, I shouldn't really be eating this go actually no like uh, I've done the exercise I'm improving my diet that's great so when I want to have this food when I want to go to Burger King or wherever um, I, I can do that because I know I'm going here as a as a one-off and I can go and I can enjoy it and go, yep, that's that's fine. Um, and it's about that sort of a change for me, that idea that actually if you want to have something that you're considering bad food, that you're, you're enjoying that as an experience and not feeling guilty about it. And it's part of that change. Like you say, it's, it's understanding where you are. And if you want to make a change, I keep saying change, um, if you want to make a change, it's a change to you and then not a change, like you've said, towards you becoming someone else because yeah. um, not only is that not a great thing mentally, but just most of the time that's... It's not achievable. It's you not, can't be somebody else. No, like you, you physically are not you going really to... <laughs> you are not going to change your... You could change your weight, but you're not going to change your body shape. Like that's that's your body shape. Um And also, like, when you're trying to be someone else, the world misses you. Mm. We are very individually unique human beings. Each one of us, we're all the human race, but we're all different. Mm. Each individual person has their own blessings and is just amazing. And while you're spending all your time trying to be someone else, there's someone who needs to see you. Mm. And then they're not getting to see you because you're not living your life as full as you can and being the true you you know yeah i've seen so many people so scared to be them you know Mm. and that in itself puts on weight once you start living the real you and you're going out there and you're seeing things and you're doing things which i know is really hard with mental health issues Mm. like really hard to get out i for a long while had to have a flat that had a garden Yes. I could just sit a chair out and I found if I go out first thing in the morning with a cup of tea on a chair in my PJs and my jacket mm. and just drink that cup of tea and, and connect with the day and me in mm. the morning, 
I meditate a lot as well. That is so powerful for mental health. Mm. Like I meditate mostly on the daily. And I would say to anyone who is struggling with mental health, learn to sit and be at peace, Mm -hmm. you know. And I have a meditation I can share with you now that I give as a nobody, people who don't know meditation can do this. Mm -hmm. Um, You just put an alarm on your phone. Okay. Put an alarm for even one minute, right? Yep. And if you can't give yourself one minute, you really need to give yourself a chat. Okay. (laughs) So you can take one minute, right? And when you breathe in, think the word love. And when you breathe out, think the word peace. Mm -hmm. And when you think in love and you breathe in love, that is you saying love to yourself. And when you breathe out peace, you are breathing peace into your life. You know, words are very powerful as people who have had harsh words to them said to them, mm. no. Mm. So say love and peace to yourself every morning, at least for a minute. And then that sort of wild horses in your mind start to calm down. And I've seen people so scared to just love themselves, you know, like mm. it's wrong. Mm. And and you deserve, you deserve self-love, mm. you know, and the more you love yourself, the more if you have weight issues and you're not your body's not supposed to be that size, you'll notice that things will start to change. You know? And not just for weight, just love mm. in your life. If you can't love yourself, it's hard to find the right love. You attract people who are wrong. Mm. You know, and just confirm how you're feeling inside. So even if you can just say love and peace to yourself that's a good place to start i really like that and the fact that like you said you could do that in a minute yeah um is really good i've um sat with people and spoke about kind of meditation and things before and um like body scans and things like that and all pretty much all of them i have to say i've found beneficial but also felt like i'm i'm not i'm not gonna sit here for 20 minutes or for an hour Mm -hmm and do that activity every day or every other day see that's why you love my stuff right <laughs> I, I meditate in the tesco queue man <laughs> ain't nobody know i'm doing it but i'm standing there and i'm giving it love and peace to myself Mm-mm. so if you see a queue and you're standing in a queue instead of getting frustrated see it as an opportunity because mm. you can do this with your eyes open it's not about you know kumbaya with candles and yeah you know, and a good way to, I'll tell you an anchor as well. Mm. If you breathe in and out three times deeply, right? If you do that before any time you do any meditation, that becomes your anchor. And when you start getting stressed and panicky, you breathe in three times, your mind goes, oh, we're going to go love and peace. Okay, okay. Mm. And it starts coming back to that love and peace. And it becomes an anchor in your life. And like I said, traffic jams, Tesco queues, I'm like that, yeah, you'll get to meditate. Yeah. I, lo- I, I love hearing about people's different ideas on things and different tools and tips because it's funny what sort of sticks with you. Mm. And I think that um, that sort of, yeah, couple of breaths, having, having literally having a minute, um, mm-hmm. I think is a, is a really good one. And um more more realistic for some people if I'm being honest um I mean even when I've um looked at those like I say the 20 minutes to an hour I mean 
and I'm like, oh, I can't, I haven't, I haven't got time. Duh. But come on, be honest. I, I could probably cut down on, on the Netflix and the YouTube for thirty minutes a day, <laughs> and make time for that. But I don't, and that's mm-hmm. obviously because of a, a judgment that I'm making in terms of priority or preference, whatever. Um, but by having something that's one minute, couple of minutes, so much more accessible, I think, for people to engage in. And like you say, being able to do it. It's not like you've got to sit down, find a quiet space. Okay, that's actually taken me 10 minutes. I've walked away from everyone. I've put my phone on silent. Just being able to go, no, I'm just going to take a moment now, whether you're in a queue, walking down the corridor or wherever. You can even do this on the toilet, man. Yeah. And I'm like, if you cannot breathe while you're on the toilet, you really need to that's, talk to yeah, yeah. I mean, ugh. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Take if a it... breath. <laughs> I could just... I'm all about making it easy and matching you where you are right now. Yeah. You know? Definitely. Because uh, a lot of people have said that. They've had breathing techniques of like seven in, five hold, seven out. Mm. And they're like... That gets a bit... To me, that yeah. gets a bit close to like the CPR stuff where I get... Com- is it five compressions? Is it seven? Mm. Is it ten? Is it what? No, um, stop. Any, yeah. Anything that's nice and simple, That that's, that's my bag. <laughs> I'll, I'll take, yeah, the simple stuff's good. Yeah. Thing is, everybody, the way their their lives are when you're when you need this, when you really need this, and especially with mental health, your head is so crazy stressed mm. up there mm. that trying to do something for twenty minutes and having your mind actually shut up, yeah, is a mammoth task. Mm. But I, I run a mindfulness class as well, and I I've had these um, a couple of people coming. And last night we done a Zen walking meditation, right? Oh, wow. okay, yeah. And they were like just pure Zen in this room. And and these people have had things challenging them that normally would have thrown them off. Mm. And now they're they you know, they're not even stressed by it. They're just moving through life with an anchor of calm. Oh, wow. And they started with breathing in love and peace. Mm. Breathing out peace. You know? Oh. And they're walking around the room at the same time. Well, that this one is a, a different one, like okay. but you know, we ain't got time to go into all no. that. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like we need to Yeah, need to organise like a, I need to come back. I need to come. <laughs> <laughs> Um I can't quite believe how we've managed to talk through like an hour already. I feel like there's so many things to sort of carry on talking about. Um but it's been really interesting to kind of just get that initial insight into a few different things into the projects you've got going on and um kind of sharing your own experience as well um if people wanted to find out a little bit more uh, about you sean or kind of get in contact with you where are the best places to find out more about you well sean young s-i-a-n i'm on linkedin i'm on facebook i'm the gutsy entrepreneur on instagram i am also on twitter at sean health I've also got a website called theentrepreneurshealthcoach.com and I've also got a website called shanyoung.com. Awesome. I'm uh, I'm going to have to listen to that back to write all of those down. Loads of links. Good stuff. Yeah. I like that. That's accessible to people. It's good. Um, and I know you've also got, um, around the same sort of time as this episode's coming out, you're going to be giving um, a TED talk. I don't know if you're happy to kind of give a, a brief introduction without kind of giving too much away about um, yeah. what that's well, about. I'm doing a TEDx talk because mm. I believe the missing action in sustainability is the human element. Because if we're all burnt out, struggling with mental health, 
we can barely take time to breathe, mm. let alone implement sustainable strategy. And this planet needs us all now to wake up. So I'm using um, that to show my shore model mm. and my sustainable health and well-being model because that's the process I've used again and again and again to up my life from being homeless to an award-winning entrepreneur and published author. Oh, ace. I look forward to um, hopefully being able to see that as well. If it's, I'll send I'll, you a link. Yes, that'll be good, and I'll, I'll, I'll share that out. I think yeah. um, the I find some of the TED Talks really interesting, and the way they're delivered as well, especially with the TEDx Talks, of like the different styles that people deliver, um, is really interesting, because I started to get to the stage where I lost interest in some because they were all so delivered in the same way. And um, yeah, it's, that's really interesting. So I look forward to, to hearing more about that. But thank you so much for coming on and for giving us your time and, and sharing yeah. your story as well. And thanks to you as well for no helping one. me get my story out there. Yeah. And hopefully maybe we'll have something again, maybe the early part of next year, come back and tell us what the, the TEDx talk was like and how the project's going as well. Yeah, and how the how the geodesic dome centre is shaping up. Yeah, well, I'll try and get some pictures or something to go along with it as well, so I can share <laughs> those. Awesome, thank you very much, and have a, a lovely rest of your evening. Yeah, I will do. Thank you. Nice. Okay. These are real people. They do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves. I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. She's not a great match for me, and that's okay. A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so they can't appreciate, yeah. Dad came upstairs, and then I heard them say, like, it's happened. And I was like, what's happened? It's difficult dealing with our minds. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. I feel like a lot of the friends that I did have have sort of stopped speaking to me because of it. And the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. Not only did this help me to write it, mm. it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. And then she was like, OK, tell me a bit about what's going on. So I told her everything and her face dropped. You're not depressed, it's, it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most. I mean, this, this, this shit is real and it's hard, it's exhausting. So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, and then they want to talk about it.